This episode of the NFT QT podcast is brought to you by the NFT Handbook. The NFT Handbook is a detailed guide on how to create, sell, and buy non-fungible tokens without the need for a technical background. Learn exactly what NFTs are, how they've evolved, and why they have value. You can find the NFT Handbook anywhere books are sold. Yo, 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 what's good, man? It's uh, It's been a minute since we've been back in the studio. Yes, what is up, Q Harrison, NFT QT? Yo, what's up? What's up? I am Q Harrison, also known as NFT QT. I just got back from NFT Basel or Art Basel, as the O has called it. You know what I'm saying? They out here, the OGs. And uh, it's it was mind-blowing, bro. That was my first Art Basel. Yeah, I definitely want to hear hear your take on, like, it's interesting because you, you, you had, like, DecentralCon, which was a, a, a solely, like, blockchain DeFi NFT conference happening. You had Art Basel still happening and NFT Basel. So you had all these like the new tech, the contemporary art world. And I know that you kind of saw a lot of things happening. I wasn't down there, but I saw I got like the what like the 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 digital waves that it sent, right? So some so the things that happened on Twitter because of it, um, different YouTube uh, interviews. So I kind of caught. I caught some glimpses, but I definitely want to pick your brain on on just what it's like down there. I mean, because it's it's such a huge contemporary art conference or like showcase um, that people look look forward to. And now it's like it just got this like, you know, boost of technology, essentially. No, nah, man. So that's a great question. I think for me, it was it was super eye opening because it's an art fair. Right. And if you are just an observer, or just a person that appreciates art, then like Basel's a cool time because, you know, any type of art, whether you want like, you know, old style Renaissance art, or you want like contemporary art, or you want like, you know, underground art. You know, when I say underground, it's like the street artist that just like made a painting and like just said, hey, I'm gonna throw it up in some random gallery that's not at Basel, but it's next to Basel. You can get that. And it's cool to see all that come to life, right? Like you get to see the gallerist you get to see the art dealers you get to see the artists themselves you get to see the institutions that like want to be associated with it so the UBSs, the bmws you get to see all these things that make up a world that doesn't have a lot of high visibility right like when i look at the art world online you know you see christie's other v's you see like artnet and some 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 articles but like you don't see the people behind it. And so it was interesting mm-hmm. to see the people that collect art. It was interesting to have conversations with them. It was interesting to walk the the fair. I ended up going to the VIP uh, showcase for, for Art Basel. So I was there like the day before the fair even opened. And I was just mind blown, right? You got, I got to see Jeff Koons and Damian Hurst. And um, I saw some, uh, you just, I mean, dude, I saw a little bit of everything. Tavares, uh, uh, Tavares saw some of his work. I saw, uh, what? A, oh, I got a chance to see um, this, this dude. This dude that makes uh, he makes artwork out of crystals. Um, Daniel, I can't think of his last name to save my my life, but I follow him on Instagram, and he he just makes incredible crystal artwork we'll have to i wish i wish we had the video cuz i'd po- show i'd show some of my photos but he 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 made this uh this crystal porsche and it's just so dope it was what? so dope yeah <laughs> bro, like 
he made a crystal. I'm gonna Google. Like, I mean, I know we're on the podcast. I'm gonna cheat a little bit. Uh, it's Daniel R. Um, Arsham. If you Google it, um, I wish I could share my screen. But look, like, look at this, bro. This is this is this is the small version. But this is a life size. There's a life size replica that I saw in real life, hmm. and it it has doors. It opens. Like, this is the small. Like, this is the figure figurine. But he has that like in in like a real real function. Interesting. Here, I wonder, here, here's one of them, but these are the smaller. Like he has a life scale model that I that you could buy at Art Basel. Huh. I wonder. Was, if, uh, I wonder if Jay Leno is gonna buy it. You know, he's got that crazy car collection. Yo, Jay Leno needs one of these. Like here, like so. Here's one of his life size joints. You see this? This right here. Like, yep. But the Porsche one is way doper, bro. It's all crystal. All crystal. Interesting. So I mean, we're we're obviously like art Basel exists without nfts it has for a long time did it seem like like nfts and all of that that kind of that blockchain talk was taking over Basel? i mean give me a rundown of how that felt because that's it seemed like that that convergence was happening you know uh, uh, in the online space but i mean did it seem like that was a an emphasis or a priority for contemporary art no that's a great question so art Basel existed in its own macrocosm and it's a very small one like there's probably 2000 collectors that actually go to basel and then they have like you know their their representatives and like the people that help them collect art like the curators and like they've have like their own little click right and it's not that large it's probably like two three thousand people right and then because of the totality of like all the different countries that like you have people from Hong Kong at Basel, people from London, people from all over uh, the USA, New York, whatever. Like you got, you got like crazy representation like globally at Basel. And when you have all those people come into one space, there's also an enigma that ha- that like, you know, just kind of surrounds them. And what the crypto people did, which I thought was super fascinating, is they kind of they were that enigma. There was nowhere you could go at this Basel where you didn't run into something in NFTs. Even at Art Basel itself, there were actual institutions, there were actual galleries um, and institutions that had on display NFTs. Several. Hmm. At Basel, like on the floor. And it, here's the crazy thing. A lot of that stuff didn't fit in. Like you go to Basel, you walk in, you're like, oh, okay, here's a... Uh, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of something I remember, like, that I really enjoyed at Basel. Uh, so I'm walking the floor at Basel, and I see, um, what, all right, this is a good question. Like, what was the most, like, earth-shattering thing that I saw? Uh, uh, oh, okay. So I'm walking the floor at Basel, and I see, like, a Joel Shapiro, right? And it's, like, not his traditional uh, bronzes statue. It's, like, something different. And you, like, know it's a Joe Shapiro. You're, like, oh, man, it's a Joe Shapiro. So you get caught up, and then you turn the next corner, and you see an NFT. Like, wait, hold up, hold up, hold up. That <laughs> NFT don't fit right here, dog. It don't fit right here. And so I see the Joe Shapiro, and I see Pace Gallery, and I see NFT, and I'm, like, is this really real? Am I in the Matrix? Dang. And so there was a culture clash. I mean, it was the first year they ever did this, right? Like, it, it was a culture clash. But a part yeah. of that, part of that clash culture was was good because it created a, it created a lot of like what the fuck moments, right? You had those those WT mo- those WTF moments where you're like, uh, hmm, is that really how that's supposed to be? 
Like, what is this? And I think that curiosity actually brought a lot of people uh, from the art world into thinking about NFTs. I saw a lot of, I saw a lot of like mixy crowds where you have like, you know, a collector and like, you know, some NFT a nerd expert type like walking around and like you know they're like bridging the gap they're saying like hey this is why nfts mean something and like you know people are struggling and people notice me and they're like what's an nft and i have to go and explain it so it's kind of it was it was a very interesting crowd i know i've spent too much time talking about the crowd but to be honest like that uh that really was one of the things that like was just most the most mind-blowing part was like you just have people from around the world all show up at Art Basel and you got like three different, three to five different conferences. I think I can, I can, I can count on my hand about five different conferences that happened and three, like really were the star of the show. You had Art Basel, you had NFT Basel, you had Decentral, there was a Decentral uh, Con Miami. Yep. Decentral Con. Decentral Con Miami, which was like DeFi. And then you had like a few underground festivals that happened that simultaneously alongside Basel. And, dude, I, I just never seen anything like that. For sure. So, I mean, from what I was seeing on, you know, kind of the buzz that was happening on Twitter, there it seemed like there, were, there was a lot of extravagant physical depl- displays of, like, popular NFT projects. So, like, Cyber Kongs was wrapping Mercedes Benzes, and, like, there was a massive Cyber Kong statue. A lot of other projects were just kind of had a representative there that was giving out merch and, like, just ways to get physical products or physical displays in the hands of uh, of people. So I think that that was kind of interesting to me. That is like, okay, even though we're talking about all these cool virtual conferences that are happening in like Decentraland, there's still kind of a need for the old conference model of like, Hey, let's just show up and give people some free swag. You know? No, I think like with web three, what is so apparent to me is there is no more cookies. So I can't just, you know, buy a Facebook audience ad and show up in your timeline feed and say like, Hey, check out my NFT project. Right? Like I know Mm -hmm. Facebook, uh, just last week turned on the ability to promote crypto projects again because you couldn't promote cryptocurrencies. It was like a banned thing for the ads. So they've changed that, which I mean, is smart, but there's no guarantee that the people I'm targeting have wallets. I mean, there's only like what like a little under 800,000 wallets out there mm-hmm. uh, that are active in trading NFTs. And so when you start to think about the people I mean, Ryan, you've been in the Facebook ads audience manager, 800,000 people. That's a small audience, bro. You're not yeah, even- you're going to you're, you're going to you're going to pay handily for for an audience of that size, you know, cuz normally the broader you go, the cheaper it gets. Exactly, exactly. And that's too small. That's too small. And so and then like if you're really trying to get specific in like who has wallets, a lot of people that are in this space on the NFT side don't actually use uh Facebook. They use like Twitter. Yep. Uh, they use like email and newsletters they don't really use like the the social they barely use instagram like there's not like at nft on instagram is like one of the bigger accounts but i mean after that you you kind of fall into the sea of like every account is like just a copycat and like there's not a lot of traction right so mm-hmm. so what you're getting at here is that kind of the the physical physical pop-ups in some in some senses whether it's conferences or you know like road shows or whatever can can kind of bridge the gap of what you're saying here of 
collecting some sort of data on your audience or your interested uh, collectors? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like the point that I'm, I'm making is, is similar to that where with Web3, we're such in the early days of, of trying to figure out how to market to people that when you are in the early days and something's nascent, you go back to what has always been tried and true. Conferencing has worked for the past, you know, couple hundred years, right? Like there, you could probably say the first conference happened I don't know, like in the 1700s, possibly, or probably even before that, right? <laughs> like, so it's something that like, just intrinsically, we as human beings, we want to meet, we want to cultivate and have community and we want to like get together. Like that's, that's going to always be true. And when you get people together, information sharing is going to take place. People are going to have ideas, people are going to learn. And I think, you know, even in, in computing, like, you know, the first computers and that's from the, the, that, that ultimately would become the things that we use today started in homebrew computing clubs they were literally like you know uh, nerds would meet up in a in a in a conference floor or, or like you know a, a, a place a meeting space and they would just hack on computers and they'd be like oh this computer can do this or this is a typewriter modified with this or this one knows basic like and for a long time that was how we got you know the computers that we know today like uh the the the, the apple lisa came from that you know steve wozniak and steve jobs went to homebrew computing clubs, right? And so yeah. uh, when we talk about the NFTs, 20 years from now, people are going to be like, oh, yeah, they were at NFT Basel. Oh, yeah, man, you know, and in Twitter spaces, man, you know, like, yeah. I, and you know what's funny is I'm mimicking. That's the voice that, like, if you ever go into any of these these Twitter spaces, there's always that one guy on the on the, on the the floor. He's like, yeah, man, <laughs> you know, like, uh, can I get whitelisted? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, you definitely, you definitely got some uh, some some raspiness in there. Yeah, it's always that. And like, so for the first time, they got a chance to go out in Miami's. What, what what better city than Miami? They get to go to Miami, crypto mecca, and like they get to have fun, yacht parties, you know, Soho House, uh, Art Basel. They get to kick it with like it's like the new, new, new money. Like NFTs, they're not new money. They're like the new, 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 new money. Mm. Like you know, you got old money, you got new money. This is that new, 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 new money. Like this is that new, 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 new money. I don't even have a bank account money. Like I don't even know how to get my crypto <laughs> NFT. I don't even know how to take a loan against my NFT yet. Like, but I have money because I own a crypto punk. Yep. It's crazy, right? When you think about it like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, people are trying to figure out how to, how to make these, these assets a little bit more real every single day. You know, I think that's, that's, that's what's crazy about it is, you know, we, we are seeing the, the, just the further financialization of these assets, right? Like we took this, we took this, you know, JPEG and like you said, now you can get a loan on it. Now you can, you can stake it in some, in some scenarios <laughs> you can, I just saw, I just was going through uh, some press releases and I guess somebody had minted their, their mortgage as an NFT. So like people could trade on their mortgage and stuff. <laughs> and like, it, it, it is wild, but I, and you, you brought up an interesting point around like the whole homebrew and just homebrew computing and, and convening with those like-minded people in the early days. And I think what is kind of cool, you know, if, if you were a part of that in this, the fifties or sixties, the homebrew computing, or I, I, I don't know the right time frame, you, you would, but you know, you might have a nice pamphlet or something to bring home. And you might, if you were lucky, maybe you, you stored that in a, in a safe somewhere, or you kept it in a cardboard box and, 
you know, 30 years later, it's a cool piece of memorabilia. Whereas with these, you know, you're getting a, a POAP, a proof of, a, of attendance protocol. You're getting a little token that says, hey, I was there, you know, and I think those those could could actually hold some value in the future. Nah, you're right. I mean, like that's that's the that's the that's the point, right? And so, you know, you saw a lot of people at uh, Decentric Con uh, Miami, like making in real life NFTs. I had a dude yeah. uh, drop me an NFT at the the, the actual uh, event, which was crazy. Like that was the first time ever in real life where I saw somebody like go off a phone into the wallet. I was like, yeah. whoa! I was like, whoa! I was like, whoa! Like I've never, I hadn't even done that until that point. Well, from what I read too, uh, NFT Basel itself, like the conference had worked with a team um, or the artist Quasi Mondo to actually, for every single fair goer, once they walked in to what, whichever uh, conference hall it was, uh, they were they would generate an, an AI portrait of a fair goer. So every, sing, yeah, every, every yeah, single every single person was, that walked in, yeah, they I had was there, bro. I was there. So that was actually in Art Basel. That was not NFT Basel. That was at Art Basel on the floor. Remember how I was talking about we were on the floor and yeah. like you would see like Pace Gallery. They had a big thing. You got the Joe Shapiro and got a little statue and then you got like, uh, you know who else was in there that that was at the Pace Gallery? Um, you had a James Terrell. So you got like the big Terrell. You got the Joe Shapiro. You got all these like really cool things. Then you walk down a little bit and the next thing you know, you see this black, black wall black black wall it's the tezos booth and that's where they got the the self part uh self-portrait nft joints going but they're like mm. it felt like it should have been at ces not art basel because at art basel every single booth was white bro everything was white because when you want to showcase what art what do you want to put it on a white wall mm. right like that's what the like it, it, the art culture has like a lot of unspoken knowns that's what i like i'm still learning at that culture myself because I, if I were if I were Tezos, I would have did a black booth too. You know, I like black. I would have been like, yeah, let's do a black booth. But at Art Basel, the etiquette wasn't there, and so that's where I talked about that culture clash. Like culture clash wasn't there. The booth was cool. It should have been at CES. It should have been at South by Southwest. It, it it wasn't fitting for Art Basel. They were missing that little distinctive touch. Now the NFTs themselves were mad cool because it was interactive, and they had people at the booth um, helping you like learn about wallets and what it takes and you know the lady there that I was talking to her for a minute at the Tezo booth she was she was real she was she knew her stuff and she was like yeah this blockchain is different because of this this and this and I was like okay okay I like you I like you and uh it was cool she was like go make an NFT and you could go make an NFT so I thought that the the whole concept of just making NFTs in real life uh is something that we need to see more of and I celebrate that I think it's just how you do it and where you present it that's what needs to change Interesting. Good take. Good take. I like that. I, I think that is, it is a, you know, it's just like a more personalized way of saying you were there, you know, like, oh yeah, got this cool piece of art for being there. Um, but interesting. Okay. So but there I, were, well, like, let's, let's like to, to, before you go off on that, like, so you got this interesting piece of art to show that you were there, but like, remember the culture is weird. Like how many people actually got their wallets on them? Right. Like a lot of people didn't. That was the that was a missed opportunity, right? It wasn't like go to Art Basel and bring your crypto wallet. Yeah, yeah. I think the whole the whole concept, like personally, as somebody who doesn't dive in too much into like, oh, what's the best wallet I should use and all this, like I still have don't have a mobile wallet set up. Like I don't 
I just go everything off my laptop, right? Because that's 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 where I do all my work all day. That's where I'm browsing NFTs. That's where I'm that's that's my hub, right? So I never really think to do like a mobile wallet and have a an easy easy entry point for that. Um, so I definitely. Well, yeah, and then, I mean, remember too, like when you're doing the mobile stuff, <clears throat> it's a lot of things that don't support the the dot eth uh, domains. So the simple address is like we still got a long way to go. Like, and I think that like we saw that in real life with the NFT creation, where it's like, oh, I made an NFT, but how do I buy or how do I get this? Oh, I don't have my wallet. Oh, I can't put a bid on that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good idea. Oh, oh, this yeah. proof of access token. I got to show you that. Uh, 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 my MetaMask key, though. Okay. Can you call no. dude over there? Like, can he let me in? You know who I am, right? Like, that happened a lot. No, I feel you on that. I mean, I had, uh, I was the part of that, the Krause House DAO, the basketball one, where they're trying to basically buy an NBA team. And I get I get my, uh, my proof of attendance uh, token. And, like, the problem is to transfer it from, the one chain that it was minted on over to the Ethereum chain, like it's 200 bucks or whatever. And I'm like, you still have the problem with the proof of access tokens where it's like, okay, do I really want to spend 200 bucks to bring it over to my, to my ETH wallet just to say I was there? You know what I mean? Like there's still that, that kind of trouble as well. Bro, you know how many people I gave my address to, or I didn't even get no NFTs. I get no airdrops. There's a lot of that. I'm now just saying maybe they maybe they had to go home and then they're going to send it. I don't know. But like we still got a lot. Like I went to a lot of dinners, a lot of events where I was supposed to have a proof of attendance token or get the origin token or get whitelisted. Man, a lot of people got my wallet address. Man, I ain't got nothing to show for it. One one person gave me an NFT that I can show and sell for something today. Well, good for them. But cool. Okay. Um, I want to talk a little bit about like some, some dope projects you came across. I know that for me, I, the, the one that I, I didn't even realize existed before uh, Art Basel, but you know, they had a nice main stage. It was uh, OG crystals, which I think is a really cool concept for dynamic NFTs. It's basically built around this theory of, or actually, I don't know. Do you want to listen to the the founder did a talk. Do you want to pull that up or? Let's do it. We'll, we'll pull it up right now. The projects that super were super interesting to us. And this is what we tried to explore in the space over the past three and a half years. And now we are at, uh, we released a new project uh, called Organic Growth Crystals. And this is actually a very old idea. When we just were launching, we were imagining an, a project where NFT is generally about permanency. It's about like where you see something, you buy it, you know that in like uh, foreseeable future, it's never going to change. And this is what gives it value. Uh, But we wanted to actually uh, flip this concept around where the NFT is going to be all about change. It's about um, growth and mutation, where the NFT could become a transactional record of every owner that possessed it. And so these crystals that we released uh, about a month ago, and you could find them on OpenSea or just Google us, uh, Organic Crystals was a project that was conceived with um, uh, a very important traditional artist, Michael Chu, and uh, Daniel Krivarushka, who is uh, who does a lot of things in motion graphics. And the concept was 
that these crystals start as a seed. And the first person that buys the crystal, they their transactional history, what's inside their crypto wallet, uh, how big their crypto wallet is, all of that becomes uh, an element of generation of growth. So yeah, so it's like kind of an interesting concept because it, it actually promotes the idea of not holding, which I thought was kind of kind of fascinating because you, you, you actually want to transact these tokens, whether you, you sell them for nothing or just send them to another person's wallet. Cause like, otherwise you're just going to have this crystal that is just in your wallet essentially. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. No. Um, I was looking at it. Uh, so you, if you hold it, <clears throat> it doesn't really add like to your point, it doesn't add any value. You need to change yeah, that. So like, yeah. So like, you know, imagine like a coral reef. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's kind of how they describe it is like you yourself can be one piece of coral essentially that grows and can manifest. And I think it does it over like a five day period or something. Uh, right. Like once you hold it for five days, you'll grow your crystal out of that piece, but then it's done. Like it's, it, it's going to stay that way until you transact it with somebody else or, you know, vice versa until you bring a different crystal into your, into your spear. So I thought, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm very fascinated by how it like just the concept of dynamic NFTs to me, I think is, is really, really cool. And, and I, we're starting to see more and more artists go that direction. You know, even Pac that that's what his new, uh, his new merge uh, project is all about. It's like acquiring mass and like, you know, building up, essentially this dynamic nft that continues to grow so i, I don't know I, I thought it was kind of a, a cool project i wanted to wanted to see what you thought about it i'm gonna buy one i'm working on that right now i think that uh these og crystals are i mean it's worth like experimenting with right like i'm gonna buy one and then i'm just gonna relist it and then like i'm gonna try to get it i'm gonna try, see, try to see like what i can like if i can grow it like you know, put it in one wallet and jump it to another wallet and see what I can turn it into and then see if you can, you know, move it. I think that that's, that's, these are projects, projects like these in my mind are, um, I don't know what to describe, like they're great case studies, right? Like mm-hmm. I don't think this will be the project that takes this concept and, you know, makes it a, uh, like it, uh, to me, it doesn't have the marketing uh, splash or the appeal that like, you know, like maybe a CryptoPunks has or um, or uh, like a, a board API club. Um, but I think it is a status symbol because you can say, oh, I was one of the the first. Right. Like I, I did. this, And that will make it a historical NFT for sure, because the concept is new. It's iterative. Uh, I think that, you know, looking at wallet history and changing like you're the changing the image that you get based on that and having dynamic NFTs. That's cool stuff, man, for real. But you want to tie it to a brand or something. Uh, another, another one that I, that was getting a lot of buzz on Twitter was uh, this, this Boongie project. I know that they had already sold out a ton um, of their space Explorer NFTs, but I saw that they dropped a project on Roblox. So t- talk to me about this Boongie Roblox game, because I, I played a few levels. I'm interested. Tell me a little bit about it. Yeah. So the Boongie game is interesting because you've got the artist Brendan Murphy, um, who you know has the, the, the popular collection of NFTs known as the Boongie Project. 
And he goes into this world of, of just Roblox and he creates his own metaverse, right? Where he has this digital art experience. It's called Artful Abbey. And it was created by uh, Dementi, which is a, a really cool cultural uh, art agency where they, they're helping artists get into Web3. And they take like his work and build a whole game around it. It's like digital art, space traveling avatars, Roblox metaverse, you know, the Boongie world, his, his roadmap, the things that he's talking about. I mean, it's just crazy. You can play the game. Like you can play a real game on Roblox. It's just, I just thought that that was so cool. No, no, that's something that I, that I was, uh, that I liked, you know, I hopped into the game. I'd never played Roblox before, but I was like, okay, you know, time for me to finally create an account, hop in that world, see what's happening. And I did, I think that that's what stood out to me is like, as soon as I hopped in there, I could already, I could already tell that this was like Brendan Murphy's, like inside his brain almost like it had all of his art everything in the whole world was all his had his style his his style of creation which is like these kind of like alien hieroglyphics you have these puzzle pieces these hearts all these different objects and it's like a simple game you know like you're just trying to get for it's like frogger trying to get from point a to point b but you are experiencing it through his artwork and i really like that you know like i I got pretty frustrated. I'm not great on the whole WASD keyboard keys. And so I, I, it took me a while. I I got through two out of the three levels and then, you know, I didn't like that. I couldn't save or whatever, but like just from an experiential standpoint, I spent about 45 minutes in it. I was like, okay, now I have like, I think what's cool is now I have a connection with Brennan Murphy and his art outside of just seeing it on a screen you know like i've been in his world i tried it out you know i i i have something that i can speak to that doesn't involve boongee nfts right and i think that that's important right very important the nft like community is going to have to figure out how to show up in everyday lives beyond wallets beyond experiences that you know are buy this nft and be a part of the club and this is a, an experience where, you know, you have, it's a commitment. You can't just make a game and abandon it. Right. So the artist, uh, for sure, Brendan Murphy, I'm planning on talking to him uh, here soon. And ideally we can even get him on the show, but you know, it's one of those things where when I was talking to him at art Basel, when he was doing this game, you know, he was telling me about how he envisions a world where, you know, his, his own uh, token holders will have, different experiences within the game because they are a part of the club so it's not that like you know it's kind of like a fortnite skin in a sense where it's like you know if you buy the samsung galaxy whatever phone and they give you you know the special uh, galaxy skin in fortnite you still get to play fortnite you just look like one of the people that own one of the rare samsung phones and you know you're you're a, a member of a small tribe because of that Brendan's mm-hmm. taking that methodology and thinking about different lo- like locations, both in the metaverse and in real world uh, for his token holders. And I think that that's the right way to approach it. Like, you know, you have to think, you know, almost like uh, three, four levels ahead. And like, you know, how do you take, you know, the community that you built online and in discord and, and elevate that to places where uh, they, people can exchange and, and get value from. So that's a, you make a lot of good points. This is something I'm going to be watching closely for the next few months. And 
I, I want to see a lot more projects do similar things. It's This is the hard stuff that, you know, a lot of people shy away from because it's not as easy. It's just, you know, putting up a 10K project and, you know, getting some bread. Exactly. This is the whole fulfilling the roadmap part of NFTs, which is like you had all these great promises. Now continue to amaze us, you know, and I think that that's that's important. And I, it doesn't have to be like it can be small baby steps, you know, like he he launched a game with three levels. It's not like it's something that I'm going to get sucked into for days on end. But guess what? It's still something I can go to. I can hang out. I can, you know, hop around. I can, uh, you know, just do something a little bit different. So I was really rocking with that. I'm glad you had some thoughts there. And, and it's, it's similar to the, the, the crystals. I think a lot of the things that we saw at Basel this year were just proof of concept. Like, I think that they'll be much bigger, you know, in the years to come. But like, I think there's been limited time. NFTs have really been popping for about uh, nine to 10 months now. And, you know, you're starting to see uh, what nine to 10 months of growth in, 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 in groupthink and just hard work it will get you. But I think if we come back to this stuff 24 months or 36 months in, guess what? It's going to be a lot more than three levels. It's going to be a lot more than a Discord group. It's going to be a lot more than, a, you know, a PFP. It's going to be a whole, like, movement. Yep. And, and I you, wanna... know what, you know what NFTs remind me the most of? Uh, NFTs this year remind me a lot of streetwear in 2012. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember the streetwear movement of 2012. Uh, vaguely, um, color it in for me. Yeah. So like back in 2012, streetwear wasn't as big as it is today. Right. Like, so like Supreme existed, you know, Bobby hundreds, the hundreds existed. You had like a lot of the state, just, yeah, just staple staple existed. Um, you had Stussy, yeah, Stussy supply company. You had like these brands that were notable that like skaters knew and that like, you know, kids that were into the streetwear culture knew. DGK, but DGK, that was that was big too. Skate, you know, skater, your skater culture, right? Like it was cast yep. over, like like yo, this is this is this is what streetwear is, right? And the Virgils and the the the, the Jerry Lorenzos, like they weren't they were there, but they were more so observers, and they were just just starting to get their own stuff popping, right? Like Virgil was coming out with like uh pyrex 23 and like uh ben trill right so it wasn't even really we weren't even to off-white yet and that was 2012 you know if you fast forward a few years streetwear would go on to take on even like the high couture markets of, of fashion and nfts remind me a lot of where streetwear was like the thing that they had in 2012 is they had you know a height height beast they had high sobriety they had complex we don't really have those yet we got at NFT on like Instagram and Twitter. We have uh, D NFT QT. We got <laughs> NFT QT. Like, yeah, that's a, that's a small platform that, you know, we're out here, we're, we're doing our thing. But even still, I don't see us as like a publication publication. It's just like really, we, we go explore uh, things and like we're like more like tastemakers in a sense, right? Where we go and we look at trends and, and report back on that. But we're not like a true, like full on publication. And, you know, we're missing that. We're missing that beat. We're missing the people that, like, have built brands. Like, Decrypt, are you familiar Are you familiar with that site? Uh, yep. Yeah, like, that one's, that one's good. But even still, they're, like, more, like, crypto. They're not, like, just pure NFTs in the culture. And so mm-hmm. I think, that, like, the culture of NFTs reminds me of that of streetwear in 2012. It's missing the people that are, like, covering it. Like, the people that are, like, 
Like I remember in a hype beast, bro. Like every streetwear brand wanted to get a hype beast article. You got a hype beast article, that means you were getting picked up by every little boutique. You were gonna be you were gonna be straight for your next four or five collections, and you were gonna have like you had to have popping lookbooks after that because you was in hype beast. Oh, absolutely. No, I mean I think you bring up a great point. Like the the media coverage is important because it's it's like right now you, you gotta you gotta kind of get it in all these disparate disparate places on Twitter or on in the actual Discord chats. Whereas there's not just some overarching place where it's like okay, I can I can get get up to know and and just really really understand what's happening without actually participating, right? And I think that's the difference, right? Is like even with streetwear, if you didn't have all the money to to put into some of these nice streetwear clothes you could still at least go and follow along, you know, it was easy to follow along. And I think that get, get even gets back to the point of like fulfilling the project roadmap, right? You know, we have all these things that have done their, their mint, their pre-sale, their initial sale. And uh, that like, there's not much interesting to cover with a, with a pre-sale, you know, um, it kind of is, it, it's a press release, you know? So it's like fulfilling that project roadmap, which is going to have to happen over 2022 might be some more interesting things to cover and we might actually see some of that media pop up but i know that you're uh you're feeling a little under the weather um so i don't want to i don't want to keep asking you about basel i think the last thing that i have to 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 close us out here is do you like wholeheartedly i know you spend some 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 decent amount of time with the with the incumbents the physical art people the contemporary artists now um like, do you wholeheartedly agree that digital art and and contemporary art is going to find a space, a middle ground? Like, are they going to cooperate and work together? Is this actually going to see a convergence here? Or are they just like, we're going to see a little bit of a Venn diagram, a little bit of an overlap that is cool. Um, yeah, talk to me about that. And I think we can close it out then. No, I think it's inevitable. I don't know if it'll happen in our generation or in our lifetimes, but it's inevitable, like, you know, it's crazy to me that like six to seven percent of all uh, art transactions happen online. That's not respective of like the real world at all. Right. Like, you know, how many things did you buy online this week? Right. Compared to how many things you bought in the store this week? You know, yeah. for me, for me that's, that's a, I mean, I, I shop online default I and mean, then I only go get like things that are impractical to buy online. Right. Like Listerine. I'll never buy that online because. It just is it's a stupid purchase. Like I should just go to the corner store and buy, you know, the big the big big gulp joint. Yeah. Versus- well they, they they say the dumbest purchase you can make online is like a twenty four case of water. <laughs> yeah, like that's another that's, that's the point. Like liquids, like that I was using Listerine example, but like like I would never buy liquids online, but like, you know, it's like one of those things where art because you got this new, 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 new money revolution that's happening with NFTs and crypto. And you got like this old money that like it's just, you know, been doing what they've been doing for, you know, hundreds of years. The two are going to have to c- click up and connect. And whether it's Sotheby's and Christie's that makes that happen or they, that's the impetus at which that starts to, to happen. Or it's, you know, the, the new, new, new money wants to go and do something that the old money is like, oh, we want to do that, too. And, and then they create the inroads there. You know, we're not a part of that class. That's a class system, uh, like, challenge and, and problem. But, you know, the day one tastemaker in the art world says that this is this, or I believe in NFTs for this reason, man, then, you know, you'll have convergence. And, you know, we're starting to see that. Look at Damien Hurst. 
I mean, did you see the latest drop that he did? And we haven't talked, we actually haven't done a episode since that, but you know, with his currency project, uh, the NFTs that he's released, they just did an airdrop with Drake. And, you know, he did NFTs that were themed after the certified lover boy album cover. You know, that's dope. Like, you know, remember I'm talking about the cultural point, right? Like this reminds me of 2012 streetwear, bro. Like, Mm-hmm. You got you got you got somebody taking art and saying, "Yo, like there's this cultural phenomenon that happened. This album, one of the greater albums of the year, or the biggest albums of the year, and like I'm gonna make art off of that, and I'm gonna give it to the people, the people that own my token. Like that's dope. I was in Mexico for Thanksgiving, and, and, and someone uh, was uh, I was obviously with NFT people, and um, they we, we when he did the drop. My man's was like, yo, I got the, I got the, I got the Damien Hurst Drake joint. And like, I'm like, what? I'm like, what? And he's like, yo, I got the Damien Hurst Drake joint. And I'm not believing him. He's like, yo, I already got an offer for nine grand on this. Like, it was crazy. Like, it was crazy. It was like, he was creating value and in, instantaneously because it was such a cultural moment. And I think mm-hmm. NFTs and art and, and just even the new, new money, the, the kids that are um, new to the block that are, are just figuring it all out. <clears throat> they, um, they're gonna they're gonna win with culture, and the culture is what's gonna carry both communities together. And eventually, uh, as as Virgil Abloh once said, the youth will always win, right? Eventually, what what the what, what the old money is saying isn't isn't cool, isn't trendy. They're gonna want to adopt it one day. I don't know if that day is gonna happen again in our generation or in, even in our lifetimes. But one day they're gonna be like, yeah, let me get some of that NFT stuff over here. And the day that happens, like you're going to have crazy, crazy, crazy wealth transfers. <laughs>